everyone, and welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet Movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch The Great Muppet Caper two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. Uh, and joining us today is a very special return guest. Tell the listeners who you are, special guest. I'm Jennifer Garland, and I am the co-editor of two books about Jim Henson and the Muppets and his various other films and television programs and media. Awesome. And I uh, I love both of the books. I'm in one of them. So I will say that I prefer that one yes, a little more. <laughs> it, was so, it was so much fun to do. Um, thanks again for being here. And thanks no again problem. for letting me write an essay in your book. <laughs> All right. Uh, today we are looking at minutes 11 and 12 of The Great Muppet Caper, in which Kermit, Fozzie, and Gonzo splash down in a pond in rural England, where a British gentleman directs them to the Happiness Hotel. They head there, taking in the sights of London as they go. So we start, we're going to start at the beginning. And um, actually, one of the reasons that we asked you on uh, this particular episode, Jennifer, is that the British gentleman is played by Robert Morley. Yes. Who is maybe the least familiar cameo guest star to modern audiences, I think. Probably. And so as someone who has written extensively about classic film, I thought you'd be a good person uh, to have here for the, for the Robert Morley discussion. <laughs> so he, he, who is he? How will, you, how will you give us a background? Robert Morley is a quintessential British character actor. He was not a person who starred in a lot of movies, but he was someone who showed up in a lot of films. He made his first really big uh, movie appearance in Marie Antoinette in 1938. And he actually won an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actor for that. It would be the only nomination of his career. Uh, but he would go on to be in lots of big cast films uh, and be in, just in lots of different things. He played Mycroft Holmes. He played a lot of different kings. You know, he would show up in royal robes and be pretentious. And this was funny. Uh, right. He was uh, just that kind of very quintessentially English personality. But certainly when I saw the movie for the first time as a kid, I had no idea who Robert Morley was. I didn't know who any of the cameos were in Great Muppet Caper as a kid, except for John Cleese. Sure. Right, you might not, not even not really realize that, that they're cameos. celebrity cameos. Yeah, they're, they're, they're only celebrity cameos in a certain sense of the they word. They might just seem like British people. Yeah, and, right, and they're not right. as many. You know, Muppet movie has so many. It's chock-a-block with cameo appearances by people whom even young kids recognized at that time. You know, Gen Xers had seen these people on TV. But Great Muppet Caper, I remember seeing it the first time, and I didn't know who any of those people were. And, of course, now I, I know who, who they are. I, I knew who John Cleese was because my dad was a big Monty Python fan, hmm. but yeah. he was the only one. Sure. Yeah, you, I, didn't know Peter, you didn't know Peter Falk either. That's interesting to me. I don't remember if I knew who Peter Falk was at that age. Uh-huh. Um, sure. Yeah, I guess Columbo's like, not really a kid I mean, show. Yeah, I don't I – don't, it didn't register with me as memorable. Uh, sure, sure. And, and he's, he's um, certainly the – the one that maybe people would definitely recognize now on the other side of Princess Bride, everybody would recognize Peter Falk, whether you watch right. Bobo or not. Yeah, um, I guess so, that's the thing is that I, I grew up with Princess Bride too. So yeah, yeah, my daughter was watching it with me and, and Peter Falk came out and I said, do you know who that is? And she said, no. <laughs> and I said, it's the grandfather from the Princess Bride. And go, oh, that's what it is. Like Columbo would not make any dent right. in her sure. recognition. Oh, sure. 
I do wonder right. if it was a deliberate choice on Jim Henson's part uh, to have either fewer cameo stars or maybe slightly lower profile cameo stars, or if that's just kind of the way things worked out. It's hard to say. I mean, Robert Morley, well, to I film w- fans, Robert Morley is very recognizable. Um, you know, he's an African queen. He plays Catherine Hepburn's brother, uh, but he's only in it for a few minutes before he promptly keels over. Uh, and, but although although his death know. kind of kind of sets the plot in motion, too. It does. Know? She wouldn't have needed to leave if he hadn't keeled over. Uh, right. Well, and, but, and and that's what I was going to speaking of African Queen. That movie shares an editor with this one, uh, Ralph Kemple. Oh yeah, and well, and and, uh, and Beat the Devil, which Morley is in, right? Which Morley editor. is in, and uh, and the DP is Oswald Morris. So I wonder if one or both of those gentlemen had a connection with him, and that's how well. We and Robert with- Morley and Diana Rigg were both in Theater of Blood. Huh. Oh really? Okay. Okay, so there's the, a lot the, of wow, there's a lot of connections, right? And so, so they had worked together before because they were both in Theater of Blood with Vincent Price, because um, Diana Rigg helped murder Robert Morley in that movie. Spoilers. <laughs> sure, that sounds Diana Rigg is yeah. one of the murderers in uh, Theater of Blood from 1973. The other thing around this same time, Robert Morley was in a series of commercials for British Airways. Oh, right, right. Basically all about, like, we're not just an airline, we'll also help you with all your other travel accommodations. So that probably had something to do with them choosing him. Hotel this, recommendations? Yeah, exactly. Where <laughs> he's, he's sort of a travel expert. He's telling expert them where to England. go stay in a hotel, so, yeah. Huh, yeah. Well, and I I mean, I will say, regardless of whether you recognize him or not, he's very good in this. He, he's, I, he's, he's, he, as I keep saying, he's quintessentially English. Yes, you know, he he's, strikes just the he's right He's helpful. Tone polite but a little stuffy and a little offended right. by these people right well well i love that he apparently has a british guidebook on him at all times as like, one does yeah yeah he's just sitting on a park bench and someone asks him for places where you can park your carcasses pulls it out you know but i think that that first moment where fozzy and kermit and gonzo literally drop in to england is supposed to sort of set the stage for this is the 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 most English Englishiness you can possibly experience as the setup, right? right? That they drop into the duck pond on the village green, uh-huh. and there's Robert Morley <laughs> quoting Shakespeare. At yeah, them. you know you're in it. <laughs> right, right now. Yeah, this sceptered isle, you know. <laughs> right, right. So so yes, we are in England up to our eyeballs hmm. the moment we get there and all. Right. The yeah. other thing I wanted to mention about uh, Robert Morley, it's it's funny that you mentioned him playing uh, a lot of kings because the first thing other than this that I ever knew him from was I've mentioned this before the 1985 TV movie Alice in Wonderland where he plays oh yeah, yeah the, he plays the king the of king hearts. of hearts exactly yeah. yes and that also uh, had a, an appearance by Jack Warden who we just saw a few minutes ago in this movie yeah yeah he played played lots of um, kings and historical figures he played Oscar Wilde. Well, um, what he yeah, actually kind of played, he actually played Oscar Hammerstein and W. S. Gilbert. Which yes, I think in a Gilbert and Sullivan. Yeah, yeah, which I think is Picture. fascinating that he played members of maybe the two most famous, you know, theater writing teams of all time. Cool. But um, so also appearing in this scene are some Muppets. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> it, and, it is the great Muppet caper. Yeah, right. It's not the great um, Morley caper. That would be a different film. <laughs> Although I, I do like imagining this movie with Robert Morley playing identical twins. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Trying to solve One of Lady him wears Holiday. a hat. <laughs> there you go. There you go. He's wearing a hat. Um, 
yeah, that's how you can tell it's him. <laughs> so anyways, the, the Muppets splash down here. I love Gonzo's gleeful cackle as he splashes down. But uh, to follow up on something we talked about last week, Gonzo's crate says whatever on the side. Yes. We, we were discussing whether or not that was his species. He identifies himself like uh, Robert Morley says it's training cats and dogs. Fozzie says we're not cats and dogs, we're bears and frogs, or Kermit does. And Gonzo says, and Gonzo's. He doesn't say, and whatever's. That's true. Which to me suggests that Gonzo might be his species or he just doesn't have one. Thoughts? Yeah. Well, I mean, it depends I, on whether you're taking yes. Muppets from space into yeah, later context there. <laughs> well, although Muppets from space actually might back this up because like the, the leader of his people is named the Uber Gonzo in the credits. That's true. That's you true. know? So maybe if we if we consider Muppets from Space to be canon, but then he's and just Kermit had said in great Muppet movie in the, in the Muppet movie Kermit had said you know Gonzo's a little like a turkey but not much not so right I don't know right. what he is uh, I I do um, like the when they splash how close the two crates uh, I think it's the, the the second and third crate they get really close to each other when they hit the water like they almost run into each other yeah which is pretty crazy if you think about it because the plane was in motion the entire time like they, 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 they should be many yards apart that right? flight attendant <laughs> had really good aim yeah there is did. a picture out there somewhere a behind the scenes picture where you can see that they just had a crane just like a few feet above what we see in the frame that was just dropping well, sure crates into the yeah pond. i, I I, I didn't think they dropped him out of a real airplane. No, of course. But I'm just saying that there is there is photographic evidence of how they did it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, well, it's so a then, chance to do another one of those shots like from the Muppet movie. So you have puppets above water to make the audience wonder, how did they do that? Yeah. <laughs> and, right. and it's sort of it's a puppeteering trick, but it kind of calls back to that moment in the Muppet movie where they had done kind of a similar setup. Right. Well, and, and this movie is full of the Muppets being thrown out of things. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, just, I mean, it's just like the recurring theme of the movie is Muppets are being tossed around constantly. It, it's, it's throwing the three main characters and breaking the fourth wall. And that's just basically all the whole movie is. <laughs> right. Right. That's yeah. It. And yeah. And we'll, I, you know, spoiler, we'll see another one next week. So, yeah. Um, but so here's something that has always bothered me in this scene is so in the wide shots when Kermit is asking about where they can stay, he looks very like he he is radio controlled, right? There's no Muppeteer under the water. Right. Yeah, there's yeah. a switch from the hand pup. They goes back and forth between hand pups. You can kind of tell from the way his head moves. It's yeah. very obvious, right? Yeah, his, his he looks very stiff. Um, but for me personally. When he says happiness hotel, that sounds great. It also sounds kind of robotic, which uh, I kind of think might just be my my like my ears are being tricked by my eyes. Well, it might be that like, that's Jim Henson having to match exactly the way the mouth was moving and and if they dubbed it later, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you know what? That might be right. That it's that it's like a mouth movement thing. Yeah. So, um the next thing that I wanted to talk about is one of Robert Morley's other suggestions for where they can park their carcasses is a bus terminal. And Gonzo eagerly says, what's wrong with bus terminals? And in the next movie, he's going to get his they wish. They stay in the bus terminal. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> they did. <laughs> so I always kind of wondered if 
it's like an intentional callback in the but it's probably not right like i don't know i mean i guess uh, i, I don't a couple think of this so but it's very interesting i mean a couple of the screenwriters were the same that's so true who knows it just tells you how hard it is to find a cheap hotel in manhattan yeah, right. Really. They actually had to go for the bus terminal. Is there any indication yeah, even, in that even scene? Even in London, they could get one. Is there any indication in that scene that Gonzo is happier than everyone else to be in the bus locker? Oh, I don't know about that. Maybe the weirder and more know. uncomfortable the situation, the happier Gonzo I just, is. Just I don't in remember general. if he has a line about it. The only one I remember is Janice saying she'll trade with anyone who has a jacuzzi. That's a jacuzzi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, anything else before we move on to the next scene? Because basically, this ends with Kermit says, "Thanks a lot for your help." It, Robert Morley kind of looks like he's about to say something, but then he just turns and walks. He away. just turns around and leaves. <laughs> so, any and any other thoughts about the the pond drop or Robert Morley before we move on? Well, you know, we do get stupid Fozzie, you know, who says, "We're in Great Britain. Oh no, how will we ever get to England?" And that continues throughout most of the rest of the movie, honestly. But um, but particularly in the 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 England London setup stuff. Fozzie is completely clueless. He's a little dumb. Right. Yeah. Well, which yeah. you know, it's funny because you would hear Muppet fans in the '90s, especially, talk about how Fozzie was too dumb. You know, he's talking to his finger in Muppet Treasure Island. I think it's a pretty big leap from him getting geography wrong to talking to a man who lives in his finger, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> but or like, um, you know, when M- Muppets Most Wanted came out. People complained about how the Muppets were also stupid, that they couldn't recognize Constantine. But in this movie, like, Kermit and Fozzie are both kind of stupid. That's like true. The whole thing about them being identical twins is in and of itself. Right, but, like, they are they are incompetent at their jobs also. You know, like, they take... Oh, like, also a terrible photographer. He takes the not, worst pictures. He, he always misses whatever's important that's happening in the scene to take a picture of somebody's kneecaps or whatever. Right, right. So this movie is like Muppets Most Wanted is very much in the spirit of Great Muppet Caper <laughs> in that the Muppets are exactly as stupid as the plot it, needs them exactly. to be. Exactly, and it's just kind of a running theme of they, they just don't get it. Right, right. So what do they do now? They uh, Well, I, I have one they, more thing before we oh, move on. Oh, Sorry, go ahead, Ryan. In the July 22nd, 1980 draft of the screenplay, this cameo was specifically written as somebody else. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Uh, it was, according to the uh, the actual screenplay, it says, in his motion picture debut, uh, looking a little silly in tweed knickers, this is Jim Henson. <laughs> They had huh. him as a bird watcher who was looking through binoculars across the pond when the crates splashed down. And then when the Muppets uh, emerged from their, their crates, he was going to say, do you know me? Which is a reference to his American Express commercial that was on TV around this time. And then uh, they Kermit basically tells him the plot of the movie up to that point. Fozzie tells him to speed it up. And uh, they ask Jim about a place to stay. And when they say they don't have a credit card to pay, he says, too bad. You shouldn't leave home without it. Oh, man. And then I'm... I like Robert Morley better. Yeah. And then Fozzie, yeah. Fozzie complains that that guy seemed manipulative. And Kermit says, I don't know. He had a nice voice. <laughs> well, that's cute. But yeah. 
But then they I, move, you know, Jim Henson does have his cameo later in the Dubonnet Club. It's a very so. brief cameo, right. and I suspect right. that he preferred to have a, a shorter, silent cameo than actu- an actual scene on screen with the Muppets. Right. Which I think he would have late. You know, he hosted the Jim Henson Hour later and all that stuff. You know, he's in, he, he has lines in Muppet Family Christmas yeah, celebration. Yeah, it, of it just years. seems like it took him a while to get more comfortable on screen. Right. Well, um,. The other thing, well, and also that scene sounds a little bit too much like the joke in the Muppet movie where they hand Dr. Teeth the script. True. Yeah, you yeah. know, like we don't need Fozzie catching someone up, uh, you know, on what's happened so far in every movie. Right. Yeah. It's a <laughs> and they do draw it. attention to the fact that it is a movie over and over and over again already. Uh, yeah. You know, right. So. The, the, the Muppet movie has a lot less of that. A lot. Right. It was yeah. more novel there. Yeah. So, so then moving on, they uh, they take a bus and they tour London on their way to the Happiness Hotel. They go through uh, Trafalgar Square. They see Nelson's Column. They see right. Saint Saint Martin in the Fields Church. You know, I never uh, knew is, who that was. That, I never knew who that statue was on top. And and for some reason in my head, it was Napoleon, which doesn't really make sense. <laughs> Wouldn't make any sense because it's this Horatio, is not Lord Nelson. <laughs> well, I mean, he well, has the the usual pose, like with his hand in his jacket, and he's wearing that right. the hat. So, but that's no, because is, his arm was hideously injured in battle, and so he was actually. He's crippled, so he yes, he always has is, it tucked in like that. This yeah. is what I learned from from looking it up, so I could know what we're looking what, at here. So, so, so you didn't know who that was until you just looked it up. I did not know that that was Admiral I, Horatio Nelson. I knew that this was you, Trafalgar Square, but that's about it. You, you, you had previously learned it in uh, Doctor Who in the Forest of the Night from season eight. <laughs> is that true? Because the Doctor says like we're standing right by Nelson or whatever, and he looks oh. up at it, and it's surrounded by trees. You know. Oh wow! I must have missed that somehow. He forgotten. is kind of a big deal in England. Yeah, I can imagine. The Maritime Museum at Greenwich has a whole massive. Well, they used to. I don't. I haven't been in many years, but they they used to have a massive exhibit about him. They actually had the the uniform he was wearing when he was killed. Oh, wow! It had his blood oh, wow. still on it. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> Gosh. Behind glass, that's you can hardcore. just see That's Lord Nelson's blood. <laughs> so, yeah. And and of course, and it's great because Fozzie says, "Is that the Eiffel Tower?" <laughs> yeah right that's good that's no good. well and again no, so, it's not well and then Fozzie also he asks if bears are allowed in the water fountains that is one of my favorite jokes in this movie and well it's and not I even like really a joke bears are not but nobody else is either so nobody's allowed sure. to get in the fountains but i wonder if frank ad lived that because kermit says what and he says the exact same line again. i think that's why i you like know? it so much it's just the same line yeah repeated are bears allowed in those fountains what are bears allowed in those fountains no i don't think so <laughs> it doesn't seem like the th- the kind of thing you would script apparently right. they do have problems with those fountains though with tourists who try to put their feet in them all the time so oh sure yeah it's not, it's not that dumb a question on fozzy's part because apparently <laughs> Tourists try it all Tourists the time. People yeah. are allowed in those fountains. Um, yes, and they're not. And then, and then next, Fozzie, uh, G- Gonzo asks what the name of the river is. Right, they're going over Tower Bridge. The Tower and Bridge. And you can see the yeah, Tower of right. London in the background. Which, which right, we, right, yeah, everyone probably remembers from the movie Spice World when Posh Spice drives the bus really fast over the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's actually um, like a, a a horror tourist attraction thing in the tower now that's like this history of gruesome london stuff oh really um, that's cool yeah 
Um, and you can see the tower, the, the Tower of London in the background as they go over the bridge. So sure. you know where they are. Yeah. So they're they're driving over the Thames, and uh, Gonzo asks what it's called. Fozzie, cheer- <laughs> the English Fozzie River. doesn't. Fozzie cheerfully assumes that it's called the English River. Yes, that it's probably the English River. What else? Would which is called? a, which right? Which is such a great like. It's like Fozzie doing his act or something. He's just he's he's very confident that <laughs> sure why not? It's the English River. I like um, the idea that it that that would be the only river in England, the English River. It's not even the only river in London. <laughs> right, right. Although, although again, like like Kermit specifically says, I don't know. Like Fozzie at least takes a guess. Yeah. You know. So I I actually admire him. Well, I think that yeah, Kermit would rather just admit that he doesn't know. Fozzie wants to impress everyone by pretending that he does know. Right. Well, I feel like this this whole part of the movie has this kind of road picture quality <laughs> where where Kermit and Fozzie are kind of like Bob Hope and Ben Crosby where they're, you know, fish out of water sort of gleefully and naively plucking along in a place where they don't know what they're doing. Uh, so that has that same kind of humor. But I think all of Great Muppet Caper tends to have all of these different classic movie beats that it keeps kind of dipping back into throughout yeah, the whole sure. movie. Um, so there are parts of it that are, you know, this road picture buddy movie thing and, and there are parts and then it turns into an Esther Williams Busby Berkeley musical at one point, mm-hmm. um, you know, so yeah, really goes back to this same well of inspiration. There's that whole segment in the Dubonic club later. It's like a Fred Astaire film. So there's a lot going on here. Yeah, I think that that's one reason sure. I love it so much. It's so many different kinds of entertainment in the same movie. Which, of course, if yeah, you're a little yeah. kid at the time, you have no idea what's going on. No, you don't know any of the <laughs> right. pastiching, but yeah. But I think it feels very cohesive, too. Completely, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so anyways, we're, we're just about down to the end of this one. Um, Fozzie and Gonzo talk about Fozzie's elbow being in the shot and whether or not right. it adds human interest. Which is, again, a good example of what you were talking about, Jen, where... Uh, Gonzo just thinks it's a good it's idea to not snap. even a good photographer. <laughs> yeah, he's just like driving a bus past the river. He just snaps a random motion photo of the river. <laughs> well, they're, and they're going over this super iconic, you know, here's the Tower Bridge and the Tower of London in the background and the River Thames and what Gonzo has is a shot with Fozzie's elbow in it. You know, <laughs> right, right. So um, then the conductor asks if anyone's getting off at the Happiness Hotel and uh, that's that's pretty much where we end. We they don't get a chance to respond, but um, the conductor we should notice played by Tommy Godfrey, who was he gets started on like every British TV show in the sixties and seventies. Um, he was a regular on the sitcom Love Thy Neighbor for seven seasons. That's probably what he's best known for. Um, he was not one of the main neighbors. He was one of the supporting neighbors, and um, he was on a, on an Avengers, but not a Diana Rigg one. It was an Honor Blackman one. Ah. And, and he was on The Goodies, one of my favorite British sitcoms. Uh, he guest starred on that one time, among many other things. This is this is towards the end of his career. He died in 1984. So a tip of the hat to Tommy Godfrey as the bus conductor. Oh, yeah. I had no idea he had such a resume. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that's that's one of the great things about doing this podcast is I'd never thought about him. Right. You know? And it's just it's fun to find out who all these people are that, that worked with Muppets, yeah. you know? Um, so that, that's, that's the end of these minutes. Any final thoughts before we close? Jennifer, I'll start with you. Um, I love that, you know, Robert Morley just immediately starts quoting Shakespeare at them as soon as they arrive in England, because 
apparently that's what you expect people to do in England is quote Shakespeare at you. <laughs> um, and that is, by the way, from Richard II. So. Okay, great. Yeah. That's his whole little spiel about the, the jewel of the... Well, the jewel of the North Atlantic is not in the Richard II oh, okay. um, spiel, but the monologue, but it's uh, the this sceptered isle right. uh, is from Richard II. And then he goes on to say, the, you know, this realm, uh, this blessed place, this England, you know. So it's a long, um, descriptive paragraph about how great England is. Very classy. Of course. <laughs> the Muppets are all about class. Yes. Sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, Ryan, how about you? Anything? Yeah, well, well, one thing I, I just wanted to mention, this music cue that we hear when the bus is traveling is just called the Big Red Bus. And uh, I'm pretty sure Joe Raposo wrote it uh, just by himself. And I, I just think it suits the mood of this scene perfectly. It's kind of light and whimsical, but it kind of feels like, yeah, let's see what's out there. Um, and then the other thing is, there another thing from the that July 22nd draft of the screenplay, actually Statler and Waldorf were also on the bus. And, oh, that's uh, fun. Yeah, they have a couple of little exchanges. Like, they talk about how to pronounce the name of the river. Um, and then one of them, when they, they were going to pass Big Ben, Statler says, there's Big Ben. Waldorf says, all I see is a clock. Statler says, that's it. That's Big Ben. It's over 700 years old. And Waldorf says, why don't they get with it and make it digital? Which is not a very good joke, and it doesn't even sound like a Statler and Waldorf joke. No, so. it, it <laughs> Well, it sounds like yeah, I don't know. It's Good like choice, it's like a, it. it's like a little two eighties almost. Yeah, something. I don't know. You know, I, 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 I don't know. Yeah, that was and a good cut. Big Ben is a ways up the Thames and back over the bridge again on the other side. I guess it <laughs> I remember, that sense. would have been a very interesting tour. I mean, that's kind of like movie. You know, <laughs> it is. It is, but, but yeah. to go from because they're crossing over to the south bank in that shot. So they're going towards the globe uh, and then they'd have to go all the way up and then back across again. Back. So yeah, that would be a very long bus tour. They were yeah. on. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, that just about brings us uh, down to the end for this time. So um, thanks. Thanks for listening. You can check out toughpigs.com on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, uh, anywhere else you can find us. You can follow me on Twitter at Zeppo Marxist. You can follow Ryan at me, Ryan Rowe. And uh, Jennifer, where can our listeners find you on the internet these days? I'm on Twitter at Jennifer Garland, G-A-R-L-E-N. I'm pretty easy to find there. And I have a classic movie blog called Virtual Virago. And it is great. I love it. <laughs> um, but so thank, thank you know, like I said, we invited you on partially for your classic movie expertise. Didn't know that you were bringing London geography expertise as well. <laughs> yeah, really. So, impressive. So thank you. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, um, no problem. And, and listeners, if you're so inclined, please give us a positive review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and tell all of your friends about the show. Join us again next week for another episode of Moving Right Along. Goodbye. See you next time. Bye.